Welcome to the Chronicle Communicator. As a warning, this episode covers the topic of LGBTQ plus rights and stories, and contributors to this episode may use identifying words or phrases that make you uncomfortable or don't align with how you identify. That is okay. The point of this podcast and this episode is to initiate important conversations within our community with a hope to create a more open and accepting environment for all. Hey Cougs, welcome to the Chronicle Communicator. I'm Rosalie Johnson, a writer for the Cougar Chronicle. This podcast episode will discuss National Coming Out Day and LGBTQIA History Month. We'll cover the basic history of the celebration, as well as coming out stories and journeys of CKHS students. I'll be joined by sophomore Abby Lundblad and CKHS's GSA advisor, Mrs. Kassler. We hope you listen with an open mind and enjoy these recollections. So most people today are familiar with Pride Month, a month, uh, June, in the U.S. that is dedicated to the celebration of the LGBTQ plus community. You see or maybe even participate in or experience all of these festivities, most commonly parades or concerts with all of the decorations and the outfits and the makeup and the jewelry and the music. It's such a beautiful time of the year and you can really see people, you know, embrace and express and love their identities. And (laughs) I've actually heard it referred to on more than one occasion as gay people's second Christmas time, (laughs) which it always makes me laugh. It's just such a funny like explanation. Um, (laughs) But fewer people outside of the LGBTQ plus community are aware of LGBTQIA plus History Month, which is separate from Pride Month in June. And LGBTQIA plus History Month takes place in the month of October. And National Coming Out Day falls within that month on October 11th, which is the anniversary of the first march for gay and lesbian rights that was first held in 1987. This march was participated in by over 500,000 people. Over half a million people showed up to this march. And it was held in protest to all of the anti-LGBTQ acts happening around the U.S. with all the killings, assaults, hate crimes, and more, as well as the AIDS epidemic and namely the lack of action taken against it. And um, at this march, the well now iconic Names Project AIDS Memorial Quilt was displayed to commemorate the lives lost to the AIDS epidemic, as well as bring awareness to the relatively hush-hush, quiet, on-the-down-low matter of the disease. And this epidemic was blatantly ignored by the Reagan administration. In fact, when President Reagan finally made any form of remark or even acknowledgement regarding AIDS, he was near the end of his second presidential term and almost 21,000 Americans had died. Over 20,000 Americans had lost their lives to this brutal, almost unimaginable disease, not before concrete action by the federal government was taken against it, but before the federal government even made an acknowledgement to AIDS. And that's why the fact that over half a million people participating in this march is incredible. 
half a million people, over 500,000 people participated in this march. F to put that in like a local perspective for context, that's around two Kitsap counties. So for over half a million people to attend that is insane. You know, over 500,000 people attending a singular demonstration is an incredible feat in and of itself. But, you know, considering the time period that this march was held in, it's just that much more incredible, just that much more remarkable. Because, you know, the U.S. in the 80s was really conservative and it was dangerous to be, it could be dangerous to be out and open about your sexuality if you weren't straight as, you know, hate crimes were incredibly common and then proceeded to be overwhelmingly undealt with. And it could be dangerous even if you weren't out and open as we saw with the AIDS epidemic, as queer issues were largely not only neglected, but deprecated and abhorred and seen as unworthy of attention or action. So for over half a million people to show up at this relatively, you know, quote unquote, progressive demonstration fighting for action and representation and visibility during such a restrictive and discriminatory and oppressive period is such a powerful image. A year after this march, National Coming Out Day was established by two LGBTQ plus activists. Gay activist Robert Eichsberg, who actually founded a queer-focused political committee in LA, and Jean O'Leary, this incredibly prominent leader of the 1970s feminist lesbian movement. And she was also a member of several other queer organizations, but she was one of the leaders of the feminist lesbian movement in the 1970s that was fighting for mostly, you know, second wave feminist ideals, um, which is typically, you know, known as equal pay and free abortion on demand. Um, but these um, organizations that she was a part of also greatly contributed to the LGBTQ plus um, liberation movement. Um, but these, you know, really basic explanations fail to like encapsulate or cover who these activists are and how you know powerful and instrumental they were to this movement are so please allow yourself to further explore and understand the history outside of this podcast ever since coming out day has been celebrated annually and has been a beautiful tribute to past coming out stories as well as an opportunity to create new ones to discuss her own coming out story, I'm joined by CKHS sophomore, Abby Lundblad. Welcome to the podcast, Abby. Hey. Hey. So this is Abby Lundblad. Um, just introduce yourself. Um, my name is Abby Lundblad. I'm gay. Um, <laughs> I date women. <laughs> I date women? Only women? Like, wait, just the one. Um, <laughs> and I've been out of the closet for, I don't know, like. I want to say 16 months, but it's probably like 13, to be honest. 13 months, so like over a year? Yeah, over a year. Sweet. So let's start at the beginning. Did you like always know that you weren't straight or was there like this specific awakening moment or was it somewhere like in between, like a 
gradual realization or describe your like experience acknowledging you weren't straight to yourself it was definitely an awakening uh pitch perfect anna kendrick (laughs) she was my awakening um but i was pretty set on like that i was straight a lot through like middle school in the first like year the first year of quarantine i was like i am straight like there's no way i'm not anything else and then you know pitch perfect one (laughs) so suddenly i like woman (laughs) (laughs) so do you think you were like overcompensating like you like subconsciously you were like i am definitely not straight so like outwardly you were like no i am straight and you were overcompensating for like yeah and i also think that like it was always kind of a joke for like i was kind of like you look like a lesbian like you're 510 you look like a lesbian and it was like no i'm not like i swear i'm straight but then i wasn't straight <laughs> so it was just like the frustrating surprise yeah surprise so like who was the first person you told like who was the first person you came out to what was your coming out experience in general um i think the first person um her name is len she's not going to the school anymore but she's probably the first person because she was also well she was just always like supporting me and i kind of came out to like a few groups of people at the same time um i just kind of came out to friends first never like publicly on social media until after i was out to my parents um i think that was the answer to the question yeah that was, oh, okay. that was a good okay answer. you just like stared at me no i was just yeah i was just letting you talk yeah it was so you how long was it between coming out to your friends and then coming out to your parents was there like a disconnect at all or was it just like a natural like stages um, i came out to my friends probably a month before i came out to my mother who obviously she supported me ever since she still does. And I did not come out to my dad and stepmom until <laughs> like four months later, like not until like December. And I didn't really have a reason besides like fear, but they're like really supportive and they make really funny gay jokes. So <laughs> can't get mad at them for that. So they so they were were they super supportive at first? Yeah, they were very supportive. And they actually got me and my little brother who's one matching pride pjs so. that's so cute for pride month yeah in june oh that's so cute so Which is pride month i don't know why <laughs> <laughs> um but so after coming out to specific people what was your what was your experience like being open about it like was is was, is it something that you hide until you begin to trust someone or is it just something you're open about and if you know so at first I did, but I did kind of hide it. Like it wasn't like the first thing I had said to people, mm-hmm. but as I got like more comfortable, I kind of stopped caring. And as I cut my hair shorter, they picked up on the stereotypes. Yeah. And it just felt like more comfortable where it's like, doesn't bother me. Like if I were to do this podcast like a year ago, I would be very uncomfortable just because new things scary. Yeah, for sure. So you know, sort of falling off of that. So you're open about your sexuality at school, right? You're for sure. For sure. Yeah, I just really didn't hide it. Yeah. So do so at school, then do you feel safe here? Or are there just specific spaces that you feel safe in? Um, or... I do feel really safe in this school. I think they're probably the most accepting school like in the area. Well, really like anywhere, to be honest. <laughs> Very accepting. And everyone's just like, 
like coaches are accepting and teachers are accepting no one's really like like they show their support they don't like right. yeah like mr mccarthy's got a poster it says so the word gay get over it Same poster. <laughs> yeah so like you know the teachers and coaches i've noticed the same thing too are super supportive here and like when you when is it okay if i talk about you and lena having the posters mm -hmm. for each other so when you um and made the poster for Lena and when Lena made the poster for you for the listeners who don't know they made really adorable couples posters for each other to show At their soccer games yeah to show their support during soccer games and Lena made a poster for Abby recently and it said something like you may be a goalie but to me you're a keeper and I was like I thought it was super cute but I was also a little worried because like I had no idea if like the coaches or like the coaching staff were like okay with it mm -hmm. and i wasn't worried that they would do anything against it i was just worried about how they'd see people differently once they knew you know specific things about them yeah i guess it's kind of like that's kind of for everything though like mm -hmm. you know like your words people are going to see you differently because of something so i think it's i think you should like start like not caring because it's like you and they shouldn't like be changing you right it's, it's not them yeah yeah for sure so how so we sort of talked about this earlier about how you like as you were um you know as you realized you weren't straight you were super set on being straight do you think like society's like do you think society played any part in that like forcing yourself to sort of remain like heterosexual or like do you, did, do you think it affected how you perceived yourself or do you think it affected how you expressed yourself or do you think it did both I think it did a bit of both. I think that it wasn't like, like I remember in like eighth grade, part of the reason I was like, oh, I'm straight, I'm definitely straight, is that like most people I knew were straight and I didn't have, I obviously didn't have anything against like people who weren't straight and like mm -hmm. have gay uncles or whatever, but <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't like ever opposed to it. I just like didn't really see, I didn't put much thought into thinking that it was me. And so that's why I just kind of assumed because it was straight was always like the default back then. Right. Yeah. And now, like, I don't know if this is the case for you, but I rarely have straight friends. Oh, yeah. They're all fruity. <laughs> yeah. Not, we have a few, like, really... token straights. Yeah. But... Yeah. Um, so as you realized, like, you weren't straight or even after you realized you weren't straight and you and you started being open about it, like how we've talked about, um, have you ever had any invalidating or you know discriminatory experiences like have you any have you ever experienced a discriminatory you know situation in which you felt like uncomfortable or unsafe or just angry at how you were being treated based on your sexuality um i wouldn't really say i was angry but i definitely had some experiences like a basketball game i mean this one girl from bremerton we were just kind of like we weren't getting along and she ended up getting mad and like punching me and she got like technical, but her and her friend after the game, like called me the F slur because they thought it was like funny. And I wouldn't really say it was like, I mean, I guess I was angry, but I didn't like, I didn't do anything about it. Cause like, obviously they didn't care. It wasn't something that was like, hasn't happened before. So I was like, well, I will literally never see these people in my life again. So bye. <laughs> and I went on my bus and I got serious for dinner. Yeah, and I feel like honestly, when it when it's people like those who, you know, they call you a slur after being like obviously angry with you, it's one of those things that like it's embarrassing for them. Yeah, on like exactly. Like they're it's like a clear indication that they are 
not intelligent enough to actually have a valid reason to be upset with you, you know? Yeah. Like, sorry, you lost your basketball game. Yeah. Maybe stop airballing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so on the other hand, what's like a really validating or affirming experience that you've had where you feel safe or like accepted or seen? Um, when I had first cut my hair to like this like kind of shorter than a bob, but longer than like just on top look, and I had like taken Instagram pictures. Well, my sister took them for me. Shout out to you, Emma. Uh, <laughs> I had like posted them with girl in red lyrics. Little, little subtle hints of being gay. And like, girl everyone... in red is a very famous queer artist. Yeah. I guess that was an Yeah. And just so <laughs> and, and everyone in the comments were like, oh, you deaf like girls, don't you? Like, it was like in a funny way, not like in a negative way. Yeah. Most of them were also like gay or queer. And they was just felt like really like the fact like they were like we could make jokes about it and I felt like comfortable making jokes and I just remember like reading the comments and be like a big smile on my face yeah and it was just really like my dad called me beautiful in those pictures so it really <laughs> felt good <laughs> so it was just like that just that feeling of like that it was normal like yeah. I didn't have to like hide it like it was like okay this like this feels right like I feel happier right you felt sort of like in my experience too not to make it about me but like oh it, here we go I'm just kidding. <laughs> here we go again i should have seen this coming um like it's just you feel so much lighter yeah you just feel like once once you realize and then once you actually start telling people you just feel so much lighter and yeah. just like happier with yourself and like not to be like that like corny facebook you got that weight on your shoulder but it is like a weight like yeah. pulling you down and it's like something's not right but i really don't know like what it is yeah. and once you get it, it's like the weight's just like lifting or like you're just getting jacked it's gone now <laughs> exactly you're just like you feel yeah i don't know how to explain it past that it's just sort of like you feel like you feel that. like constricted almost you feel yeah. like you like you said you feel like weighed down and then you're finally like and you feel like you have to fit like specific stereotypes because you don't want to be like i used to be really afraid of being mistaken like as like a lesbian in like school hallways, like my friends ever like tried to platonically hold my hand, I was like, oh, I don't want people to think I'm lesbian. Yeah. And no. <laughs> Look how that turned out, Abby. <laughs> Look how that turned out. Ugh. Yeah, like yeah, just sort of that like subconscious, like internalized homophobia, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Just that. But you it's know. not like out of hate. It was just out of like like no not like proper education. Yeah, just, like, discomfort. Like, I was never, like, physically told it's okay to be gay. I think people just kind of, like, assumed, like, they'll figure this out when they're older or... Yeah, exactly. It's like, on them. Yeah, I grew up with... I don't know. Actually, it's probably okay to talk about this. I grew up with a gay aunt, so, like, I did have... And I'm really love close her. with her. Yeah, she, Aunt D. I love you, Aunt D. Um, I grew up really close with her, and for some reason, like, I was never... I don't think because I have no memory of this but I don't think my parents would do it either they never sat me down and they're like okay you know how me you know how mom likes dad likes men and is married to a man well aunt d likes Whitman and she's gonna get married to a woman like that never happened like it was just sort of like a whenever we saw aunt d she was with whoever she was with at the time yeah and so like because of that I feel like it was just sort of this like natural thing so I wasn't you know forced into this like box of like I had no representation, but at the same time, because it was so natural, I was never like, oh, maybe that could be me. 
Yeah. It was just like, that's just Aunt D, you know? Yeah, that was kind of like with my uncles. Their names are Mark and Howard. <laughs> and I had like never, I didn't, I don't live close to them. I live, I live in Florida, but it was mm-hmm. like, I never really felt like I was never, like, didn't, like, I knew they were, they were gay. I just didn't like, I was like, okay, like, obviously they're older. That gets something to think about when you're older. And I never really, like, thought about it. And then once I did think about it, and actually, once I came out to my mom, she obviously asked me, but she asked if she could tell my uncles. And they were so excited. Oh! They were so excited. And they flew down to my brother's graduation. And they were just, it was so cool to, like, because they don't have, like, okay, well, we do have, like, other gay cousins in my family. Mm-hmm. They're just, like, not on that side of the family. The majority of them is on, like, the other side of the family. So it was kind of, like, I'm going to start a gay streak now. Oh, that sounds weird. That's going to be a lot of gay. <laughs> I'm not starting a gay streak. I take that back. <laughs> yeah, like, just that sort of, you know, the representation, having representation is so important. Yeah. And I feel like, especially, I would love to get to the point where it's not, not that it's not important, but just to the point where it's just a natural thing where, like, you know, that's not a big deal if a character on a TV show is gay or not. Yeah. And at the same time, like I said before, I think it's also really important to not only have representation like I have with my aunt, but to acknowledge it and to be like, this is why it's important because it can help people see who they are and create a more accepting, you know, community. Yeah. And I feel like just knowing that, like, you don't have to be born straight. Like, you don't have to be born and you don't have to, like, automatically assume that you're child like likes a sp- like the opposite gender yeah i feel like that part like doesn't matter because they obviously can't tell you until they're older and then once they can like i feel like you just respect that because kids right. are like kids are going to be kids they're going to like who they like it's not like it's like kindergarten chillax yeah exactly it, it's yeah it's um it's like i i look back on like growing up and i if I think about it too much, I get frustrated because, like, I could have realized so much earlier. Oh my God, yeah, I literally wore my brother's clothes. Yeah, like, like I literally... Dude, what are you doing? <laughs> I literally could have realized so much earlier if I had, you know, adequate representation. If I saw people like me in movies or in TV and it wasn't, you know, movies about coming out or yeah. episodes like, surrounding people like, coming out. It was, if it was just, like, like, a stereotypical, like, movie and it was just, like representation that the whole movie wasn't based on that representation it was just a part of it right exactly 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 so how so sort of going off what you said earlier about um we're almost out of time but it's okay (laughs) (laughs) so i'm going off what you said earlier about um you know kids like parents assuming their kids are a certain sexuality Mm -hmm. how do you think besides just you know, getting rid of those like expectations and standards, how do you think parents or teachers or just adults in general can begin looking at kids and make sure that they get the proper representation? You know, um, I feel like, and I've tried to see this more like when you like get your kids books, or there's like books about like, there's one in Barnes and Noble, I thought it was really funny. Instead of the ABCs, it was the gay BCs. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Like there's books like that, that like, and there's like, like, now they're, like, Disney's making more shows, like, things like that, that, like, are more inclusive. I think, again, like, we're making, like, we've made it, like, normalized for people, like, teenage and up to know their sexuality. Mm-hmm. But I think we should, like, like, 
like the posters in classrooms saying like love has no gender or like right. some people were gay get over it like I feel like those should just be like normalized and just like be you like don't fit the stereotype for anything right the world is open you know exactly exactly all right thank you so much for joining us Abby thank you for having me Rosalie <laughs> <laughs> um we ended exactly on 18. Thank you, Abby, for joining this episode of The Chronicle Communicator. Up next, we'll be joined by CKHS's GSA advisor, Mrs. Kassler, to discuss the functionality and importance of GSA. This next segment will also mention a poster situation. For our listeners who are unfamiliar with the situation, a CK elementary school teacher was instructed by the district to remove a poster that read Love Has No Gender and included the words lesbian, homosexual, bisexual, and transgender because this vocabulary was deemed inappropriate for younger age students. Again, we hope you listen to this interview with an open mind and enjoy these recollections. Hi, Ms. Kassler, welcome to the uh, Chronicle Communicator. Hi, thanks for inviting me today. Yeah, of course. Um, so I sort of just introduced you, but just introduce yourself to our listeners, like your name, your title. Sure, uh, I'm uh, Wendy Kassler. I've been teaching at CK for 19 years and I teach English. Um, I'm also the Gender Sexuality Awareness Advisor, so, yeah. So you've been teaching here for 19 years? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we'll probably stay, too, until we retire, so. Nice. Yeah. Um, so when in those 19 years did you become the GSA Advisor? I, it's funny, I was just asked that, and I believe it was um, a couple years after I started here. So I think I've been GSA Advisor for at least 15 years. Um, there was a, a couple years where I took off because I was having children, um, <laughs> but mostly it's been for, it's been for just about all of my career. Wow. So, yeah. That's great. I didn't know it was that long. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know we've had one for that long. Yeah, we have. So um, why did you become one? Why did you become the GSA advisor? Well, I, I did because I, I knew that there was a need. The previous advisors, you know, asked me if I'd be interested in doing it. And it was definitely um, something I believed in. And I knew that there was a need um, in our school for a safe place for students, um, you know, so that they could network together, get supports, um, you know. And then in the more recent years, we've moved a little bit more towards advocacy and um you know, educating um, teachers and students. So, yeah. So yeah. it's sort of like evolved from, like you said, a safe space to now, um, not only a safe space, but promoting more safe spaces. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Changing the uh, culture of the school to be yeah. more accepting. So yeah, that's super yeah. important. Um, so what does the GSA do? What does it offer to students? And we just talked about how it offers like a safe space. Yeah. So, um, you know, we sort of, uh, as leadership changes and as kind of membership changes, um, usually start the year by asking the membership, you know, what, uh, what do you want out of this club? And um, most GSAs either they do a combination of all three or just one of the three. But um, one of the focuses would be just as a support group, um, you know, of people who understand and have empathy for what you're going through. Mm -hmm. uh, the next would be more of an education group to sort of, you know, get information and learn new things about the community, about uh, the different uh, identities and sexualities. Um, and then third would be to sort of 
stand up and speak out um, to the, the, the rest of the school um, and promote equality for uh, everyone in, at school. So yeah. those are, so that's kind of what, and most of the time um, people say they want to do all three. Um, and so we've tried to have this uh, idea that every other week we will just do a social club where we just, you know, we talk and we just hang out together. And then, um, but, you know, on those other weeks, we're kind of tackling issues sometimes that just show up, you know, other times just um, as uh, points of, you know, we can always work and improve the school climate. So sometimes yeah. we'll specifically just choose to do that. Um, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so in that club that promotes, you know, equity and acceptance, like you were just talking about, um, have there been like specific moments or memories that have really stood out to you? Like um, if students were really passionate about this one thing, or if there's just this really like, you know, valuable and emotional moment, like what has stood out to you as an advisor of that club? Um, so uh, one of the, I think the, the, my favorite memories um, in GSA have been um, the kids have youth rallies that we've attended. Um, you know, I think those have been going on for, I don't know if it's a full 10 years, but it's something like that. And unfortunately, of course, the last two were canceled because of the pandemic. Right. Um, but those are such cool um, events because they're, you know, they're sort of LGBTQIA um, like focused. Mm -hmm. um, but they're for all human rights. So anybody and everybody is welcome. But it does allow for kids from all over the county, not just in our district, uh, to be together at the same time in the same place. And it has like breakout sessions, some that are more fun and mm -hmm. some that are educational and an open mic. And there's like music and dancing. And I mean, it's so cool because that is not a typical experience right. for um, some of the LGBTQ kids I have. They, they don't feel included that way in a general right. sense, you know, where it's okay to literally just be your authentic self. Yeah. So yeah, that's, those are my favorite um, kind of memories. Yeah. So um, when are those rallies? Like throughout the year or is it just a couple of years? Um, they're always in the spring. So yeah, usually we plan all fall for them. And, um, you know, the different school districts will offer different breakout sessions and the kids usually run those. And, um, and then, yeah, and most of, I think it's always been over at Olympic College um, has been our, our location. And this year, um, some of our leadership who really headed that up is a little less able to do it. So we're trying to kind of take over, but it turns out there's quite a, there's a lot to it. So we're yeah. trying to figure out all what it really would take for us to continue it. So I'm really hopeful that we can. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, so why to you, um, at least why are these rallies and why is this club important and valuable to the school? Well, I think that, you know, everyone has the right to be their authentic self and to feel safe at school and that that isn't debatable or controversial, you know, that that is just the way that it is. And so I really feel like, um, they, you know, this community is vulnerable and they need somebody who's willing to speak up and, um, 
you know, sometimes put themselves out there to um, educate, you know, other staff or students about things that um, it's not always easy to talk about, you know, but that um, I really learned, I guess, in my like sort of growth as a leader that you have to move towards those things and not move away from them to kind of be effective as an advocate or as a support uh, for students. So I try to help students feel supported and heard at CK. Yeah. 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 Um, sorry, I just totally lost my train of thought. Uh, That's okay. So because it's so valuable like that, because it offers a safe space for, you know, a vulnerable, a vulnerable community, like you said, um, do you see yourself as the advisor? Do you see yourself as the leader who leads them to these issues to tackle them? Or do you advocate for them? Or is it like a mixture of both? Or how do you really um, tackle those issues as the club? Well, I think most of the issues that we tackle are student um, driven. Okay, so um, usually they'll come with a concern. And then it's sort of my job, I think, as an advisor to figure help them figure out how, how they want to get to their goal. So mm -hmm. if it's that they want to educate, you know, guest teachers about pronoun usage or about um, preferred names, mm -hmm. then like what would be the best way to do that? And so then I'll make suggestions for how can we get that message across um, yeah. and sort of, you know, talk with the adults about getting things arranged so that, you know, we can do a presentation um, or something like that. Um, and so it's kind of their job to come up with the idea, but my job to make the ideas possible so that they can actually um, be accomplished. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Um, so through that, through, you know, the, you know, tackling of those issues, have you seen in the past 15 years that you've been advising this club, have you seen sort of like a, a culture atmosphere shift in CK, um, especially in attitudes towards the LGBTQ community? Um, I haven't really personally seen a shift in just my anecdotal, uh, observations. So mm -hmm. I haven't really noticed an uptick, um, in like anti LGBTQ, um, TQ sentiments. Um, but I have heard that they still are, are prevalent at school, unfortunately. So, um, you know, and just with the, this day and age, our community is also sort of polarized about certain issues. Um, and certainly I'm very aware of that. You know, I'm aware that um, people, there's, you know, people in this current climate are worked up about a lot of different things. And um, sometimes some of that does get blown our way. Um, and other times, you know, the, the sort of uh, peripheral community issues don't really come up. So it just depends, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that another big thing um, with that is also just representation. Um, this club, I feel, at least my friends that go to this club, feel mm -hmm. a lot more represented when they're around people who not only support them, but feel like them or identify like them. Yeah. And I just think that's really important for um, people who maybe aren't a part of the LGBTQ community to see the LGBTQ community. And then that helps create that more, you know, acceptance. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And so that's, uh, that's actually one of the goals this year that we have is to kind of become a little more visible. So we're yeah. going to do some fundraising to get some kind of 
club merchandise that we can wear sweatshirts or masks or yeah. something that sort of just makes us a presence that belongs in CK and is part of the everyday culture yeah. and not just a fringe group. Right. Know? Yeah. The visibility so. is super important like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so we're sort of talking about, you know, the cultures and the atmospheres of the school. Have you had um, students come from not only like an unaccepting school per se, but like an unaccepting home that comes here for a safe space? Have, have you had students be open about that? Quite, quite often, actually. Yeah. So, um, you know, and talking to parents is tricky mm -hmm. anytime, you know, it can be sometimes there just isn't um, open communication in a family and it, there, cause there's a variety of reasons for that, you know, but yeah, I think in particular, um, that that comes up a lot with our club members. And so whenever it does come up and there's a question like, how do you talk to your parents about this or your grandma about that? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, er, there's a big room of people who've had experience and have tried different things. And then, so they, they speak up about right. you know what worked for them and um you know sometimes i have you know as being just an ally kind of a straight person i i don't have personal experience with those things mm -hmm. but i i am connected with lots of resources about people who've given a lot of thought you know yeah. and i have like student handouts and things for how to kind of script conversations with family members yeah so that they go as positively as possible right and so um that's a, I think that's a big function of the club is to be able to come and say, you know, I'm really struggling, mm -hmm. you know, with, uh, I haven't come out to my parents or, um, you know, I'm afraid that my parents won't understand or they're going to have a negative reaction yeah. and it's going to bother me. Um, and so usually it's good to just tap the knowledge of the room uh, or the experience. Yeah. 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 That's also super important besides, you know, just being around people like you, being around people with similar experiences as mm -hmm. you need to know you know, one, you're not alone, but two, they're there to support you through that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, sort of on that note, what would you say to students who in the club or not are currently questioning their identity or know their identity, but are too unsafe or um, it's too anxiety inducing for them to come out? Well, um, I would say it's okay to be who you are. Um, and that as a young person, all of, you know, all of you are trying to figure out who you are, you know, and all the different aspects of who you are and that it's okay to try on identities for size. Um, and to continue, it's a, I think it's a journey. So I don't know if you ever fully arrive at exactly who you are. Like I, I, I think I know more who I am now, you know, because yeah. I'm a lot older, but, um, that I think it's something that you should feel free to investigate and develop. Yeah. Um, and then also to kind of find your tribe of people, you know, who think like you and have the same values as you and that can support you. Yeah. Um, be that the GSA or, you know, lots of other, um, there's lots of other outlets uh, of people. Yeah. Yeah. Who can be supportive. Yeah. So, yeah, whenever um, I talk to, you know, friends about situations like this, I always recommend the GSA. I just haven't been able to go because I'm super busy all the yeah, time. Yeah. But I'd, you know, I'd love to attend meetings. Um, well, but thank I'm, you though. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Hearing that you are recommending us. Yeah. I've yeah. Been, yeah. And my, my friends have actually recommended it to me. I've recommended it to my, um, 
you know, my own friends. Um, so I try to get them to, you know, say what you've been saying just less eloquently than what you, how you wow. just put it. Okay. Um, but um, how to explain why that would be, you know, valuable, may maybe could be a valuable resource for them. So what would you say to students who are unsure of if they should attend a meeting? Um, I would say to come on in and give us a try. And, you know, some people come once and they don't come back because it doesn't quite, it's not quite the right fit uh, mm -hmm. for them. But I don't think, you know, you know, I mean, I don't think there's anything to be lost by um, trying to come and just, you know, because nobody will put you on the spot. Nobody will ask you questions that you're not ready to answer. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, basically just a place that you can share if you want to share or, you know, just hang out with cool people. Yeah. So I, I, I don't think, I don't think you would be in for a negative experience in any way. So I think you should just try it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so where, for our listeners that may want to attend one, where and when are these meetings held? Uh, this year we're meeting on Tuesdays and it's just at, um, kind of right after school, as soon as you can come and then we hang out until 3.30. So, um, yeah, and, and it's room 2209. Um, so I'm hoping, yeah, I'm hoping to have other people come. Another thing that I'm excited about um, trying to do, but it's always kind of hard to make happen, is to maybe collaborate with other clubs, you know, uh, and sort of join up and, and, you know, especially if there's issues where a student voice needs to be heard, mm -hmm. then um, collaborate some. And, you know, but of course, uh, coordinating that many people can be a challenge, right. but um, there's plenty of clubs out there that I really admire, um, and I think we have a lot of common interests, so if there could be a way to work on some sort of joint um, effort or project, I think that would be so cool. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, you just sort of talked about the issues that are talked about at meetings. Um, have, have you and the GSA heard or talked about the sort of poster- controversy sort of that's been going around with the elementary school teacher who had to take down the poster yeah we've talked a lot about it actually mm -hmm. um and um, we certainly um, disagree with the district's decision to um take down the poster mm -hmm. um you know it's our belief and i'm part of it you know i own that so i am a little bit at odds with our district um uh about that decision um but uh, we really believe that positive af affirmation of identity um, and sexuality is appropriate at all ages and right. necessary. Right. So, um, but we have been invited to, to be, take part in this committee that will kind of uh, um, evaluate posters for classrooms. So that, that was a nice, yeah, um, gesture, I think. So yeah. we'll have to see uh, where that goes. Yeah. Sweet. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. For you're being welcome. a part of this podcast and for talking about how important this is. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. I really appreciate uh, that the interest, first of all, and, and just the conversation. I yeah. really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah. I did too. Thank you so much, Mrs. Kassler, for joining us on this episode of the Chronicle Communicator. Up next, we'll discuss the importance of coming out as well as how to stay safe and healthy in the process. Coming out is an extraordinarily unique process that can take 
minutes, or it can take years. It can be exhausting, exhilarating, easy, difficult, joyful, painful. All of these, none of these, anywhere in between, but every story in it of its own is valid and beautiful. If you are planning on coming out, ensure that you have a safe and accepting space to protect you or help you through this process. You can visit CKHS's GSA that meets on Tuesdays after school to 3.30 in Mrs. Kassler's room, 2209. And another great resource is the Trevor Project. It's an organization dedicated to suicide prevention efforts, providing counseling and assistance, and educating communities on the importance of acceptance. You can visit their really super cool and extensive and informative website, thetrevorproject.org, and it has a cool feature that allows you to exit the tab and remove it from your search history quickly if you are in an uncertain or unsafe situation where you don't want people to see that you were just visiting that website. They also have a queer youth lifeline, which is a suicide hotline that is specifically made for suicidal queer youth, and you can call that at 866-488-7386, 866-488-7386. Or you can text START to 678678, that's START, all caps, S-T-A-R-T, to 678678. There are several other resources that can provide you with the assistance you need to remain safe and healthy in your coming out journey, such as the GLSEN or the HRC, and you can find these resources and many more on a very extensive resource list provided by GLAD, which is another organization. You can visit that at glad.org slash resource list. That is G-L-A-A-D dot org slash resource list. A big thank you to our guests, Abby Lundblad and Mrs. Kassler, for taking the time to discuss these important issues with us. And thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. Don't forget to check out our website, www.cougarchronicle.org, where you can find stories written by CKHS's own student journalists. Follow us on Twitter, at Chronicle underscore, and Instagram, at Official Cougar Chronicle, to keep updated on our program. Thanks again.